Professor Cameron Howard from Luther Seminary says she was haunted by this story when she first saw it on CNN. During a deadly blizzard in Buffalo, New York this past December, a man named Jay, whose life was in peril from the cold, heroically broke into a school to shelter over 20 strangers who were stranded in the snowstorm. After he himself being turned away from 10 different houses on his search for warmth. You see, Jay had gone out um, in the blizzard to help a friend who was stuck in the snow. And then of course, what happened? He got stuck himself. He went to the houses he, he saw asking for help, even offering them money if he could just sleep on the floor and the people refused. Being stranded in his car, he went back to his car, so being stranded in his car, Jay along with others who were stranded in the area began to uh, band together to stay warm because the authorities uh, could not get help to them. The storm was too bad, they were told, for even the police to go out to help them when they were called. Well, eventually, he decided to break into a school that was in the neighborhood where they were stranded so they all could find shelter from the storm. Shelter, food, and a bathroom, that is. The best part of the story is Jay left a note apologizing for that break-in at the school upon leaving. No charges were brought against him for the break-in, and the local police department called his actions heroic. Well, Professor Howard was haunted by this story because the 10 houses who refused him help, she said, were not an anomaly. In fact, the series of rejections are predictable, she felt. She said, we human beings are programmed for self-preservation. And there is, of course, a profound risk of opening one's home to a stranger. And it's a risk that can seem too significant to overcome, even when the danger is far greater for the one who remains out in the cold. And yet that is what our gospel lesson for today calls Christians to do. We are called to be the salt of the earth. We are called to be the light of the world. And to do things that are maybe countercultural, maybe counterintuitive for the sake of neighbor and even at the risk of themselves. This is often the way the kingdom of God works. And that is what Jay did, isn't it? This mandate is not unique to Christianity. As our Old Testament lessons suggest, the law of Moses envisions a society ruled by justice and righteousness and generosity rather than self-interest, with special protections for people without much power, like the orphan and the widow and the stranger. Well, in the gospel lesson today, we pick up um, just after Jesus preached the Beatitudes. And we are still up on the mount with Jesus and the disciples. And Jesus did call us last week to envision what was normal in the kingdom of God is different than what people might expect. 
So, but notice today, for instance, that Jesus does not give instructions to the disciples on how to become salt and light. Rather, he just tells them that is what they are because they are God's children. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This is a declaration. You almost can hear it as a sheer promise of, of, of what God says about us. But he also it seems to be commissioning us, commissioning us actually to be salt and to be light, to be the people we've been called to be. We are to season and preserve the world. We are to let our light shine so that others will see good works and glorify God. And Jesus isn't asking them to do this to earn their salvation. That has already happened. But he is saying, this is what you do because you have your salvation, because God loves you. It is a gift. Jesus is saying, you're salt, you're light, period. That's just the way it is. Well, as you might imagine, these commissions to be salt and light have been swirling in my mind this week, especially as I consider what we say to every person who's baptized at the font. We say, we light the candle, that baptismal candle, that Christ candle, and we say, Sue, Jim, uh, Pat, you are the light, or let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When we're children of God, we cannot help ourselves from being light and salt, and Ken, that song you chose really talks about that. It's at the core of our being as disciples and as Christians. We might say it's in our DNA. God has made us and gifted us this way, period. Well, I thought I might do a little demonstration to drive this point home. I have this uh, great solar, uh, it's called a solar puff that somebody gave me for Christmas this year. And it just turns on and you can see it. And I think if you, uh, I think when I put it up here, you guys can all see that, right? All right, so that's good. But now, if I take my basket and cover it up, there's no more light, right? So the light is now ineffective. And I wanted to show you that because I think that is the point that Jesus is driving home. Let me turn this off. Oh, there we go, it's flashing, sorry. There we go. <laughs> okay, that is the point that Jesus is driving home. Jesus mentions this bushel, and it's not a unit of measurement like we might think of buying a bushel of apples, but rather Jesus is referring to a big vessel that would cover a lamp. And what he's describing, which is, I think is important to say, is not a lamp that has been snuffed out, but covered up. The light is not extinguished, it's just rendered ineffective because it's covered. Jesus is encouraging his disciples not to let the light which is in them, which is in you and me, to become ineffective. The story that haunted Professor Howard, we see this distinct contrast between what can happen to the light in the followers of Jesus. The households who would not give shelter to Jay, their light seems to be ineffective, at least for that moment, right? It's ineffective for that moment. 
But Jay, who found a way to shelter 40, or not 40, 20 stranded people during a snowstorm, was paying attention to this call to do something to help people. His light shone through. This text challenges us to stop and think about the bushels that we might place over the light of God, which has been put into each of us as individuals, and I think even as a congregation. Perhaps the bushel that we put over ourselves is a lack of confidence that the light we have could really help in a particular situation or a particular ministry. So what do we do? We do nothing. Or the bushel might be a fear of disapproval that if we respond this way, others might think we've gone off the deep end and by the way we live out our faith, maybe they'll think we're too radical. Or perhaps the bushel is the comfort zone that we have constructed. We can't imagine that God's work might really be accomplished through actions that look like this new thing. So I wonder what are some of the different bushels that you've seen in the church that prevent our light, which has been given to us by God, by, to all of us by God, from shining forth in the world? What are the bushels you've seen? In the end, this gospel lesson about us being salt and light invites us to be vigilant as the disciples of Jesus. We want to be attentive to our light and if it's shining in the world. In being vigilant, I think we are called to walk through our, our day, being open to the unexpected places or situations where we might let our light shine so God's good news and love is shared with others. At Christmas time a few years ago, Krissa and I went to Kroger in Madeira to pick up some groceries we needed to, uh, to make Christmas dinner. I had forgotten a few items for the recipes we had decided to make. And as you might expect, the checkout lines uh, were rather long because everyone else was doing the very same thing we were doing, picking up groceries for their upcoming meals. Finally, there was just one person in front of us in line, and he was checking out. <clears throat> and we were putting our items on that checkout conveyor belt. We put our little plastic, whatever that thing is, to divide them, you know. And then I noticed the man is on the phone making a phone call right in front of us. And I'm thinking, really? Look at the line behind you. The indignant voice was in my head. I didn't say it. <laughs> But then I overheard what he was saying. He was asking someone on the phone which items were essential and which ones could be put back on the shelf because he didn't have enough money to pay for them. Well, I watched this taking place and I felt immobilized for a moment but I saw the difficulty of the situation and finally said to him, may I pay for those groceries for you? I would be happy to do so. Well, he let me do it. However, it was only that handful of items the cashier had set aside so they could go back on the shelf after he had talked to that person on the phone. In that moment, in my heart, I felt God calling me to do this very simple thing. It really didn't cost me anything, 
but it felt risky because I was not sure how he might uh, receive uh, this, this suggestion from me. It would have been easy to put that bushel over my head and ignore what I saw unfolding in front of me. However, I felt called to be God's light, so I stepped out, asked the question, and was able to help someone in a very, very, very small way. We are God's light, and we are God's salt in the world. And Jesus is calling us to be vigilant and aware of what is happening around us so we might share the light of God with others. And you know what? Sometimes I think it's pretty evident in how we might be light because the opportunities are built into our common life together, such as helping at Kids Connect or VBS. I'm excited. I'll be there this summer. I won't be gone. Serving on the bereavement team or being a Stephen minister, making a meal for Nosh, planning a fundraiser for Nosh, like last night, volunteering for Taft, making a donation to the Super Bowl of Caring next week. Sometimes it's pretty obvious how we can, can do this thing. Sometimes we follow our passion, so we work with the homeless or we take care of creation. They're just things we can do. Sometimes it's pretty evident how we can let our light shine for others or for God so others can see it. But then sometimes the place, the situation where we're called to be God's light in the world, we just kind of stumble upon. We bump up against it when we least expect it, such as in a snowstorm in Buffalo, New York, or at a grocery line in uh, Kroger in Madeira, or, well, you fill in the blank. Maybe you have a story to tell about where you have been called to let your light shine. Sometimes it's just in those unexpected places we are called to do so. My prayer is that as God's people, we will let our light shine in all these different places so God's love and mercy is known by all. Amen.